The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back after a long hiatus for the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger Football beat writer. Jason Munns, our producer, is in the house. Um, We are coming off Friday Night Stripes, the Memphis spring game. I guess there's one more spring practice as we're recording this, but basically spring practice is over. So uh, we wanted to... uh, reconvene and talk about uh what we learned from these uh past few weeks of spring practice what to what to expect once the team gets back together in august for the preseason um so evan i'm gonna you were at every practice um why don't you just give the listeners some of your maybe your key observations um here let's start with this let's start with this what was what's what was the most encouraging position group and or player to you this spring? Let's see. I think for me, I would say the defense looked pretty strong for the most part. Obviously, you have a new D coordinator and Adam Fuller. I think I was impressed by just how well the defensive line looked. There's there's more depth there a little bit with obviously, you know, Bryce Huff's going to be playing more up front instead of being like the roving linebacker. Um, but starting with him and then bringing in uh, Joseph Dorsey as in Jonathan Wilson looking great. Um, I liked what was behind them. Uh, they got some new guys, Everett Cunningham, uh, Coyote Oladelli, and Wardell's Ducksworth, who all look like they're going to be really good pass rushers. Uh, Cunningham had a sack during the spring game, I believe. And he looked, you know, he looks like someone who's going to be a force to be reckoned just because he's he's big, he's fast, he can do some things. Um, Fuller really likes him. But I think the defensive line looks really strong. The linebackers, deep as usual. I think there's a lot of depth there as well. So I think the defense, there's guys back that are going to say that, hey, last year we obviously didn't look that great. Now we really want to show that not only do we want to show our veterans, but we want to impress Adam Fuller that we're not a group that is underachieving. So I really like the defense just from what I've seen in the spring that stood out to me the most. Yeah, it was interesting to me just the the one practice. I went to one practice in the spring game. Like Adam Fuller is a lot different than Chris Ball, both both in terms of his – personality and then just also the way he approaches defense um he is a really in-your-face guy it seems like on the practice field um and his defense is more in your face it feels like much more aggressive than chris ball's defense and i'm not you know i mean honestly like i hope that's in a good way um because i that was you know you mentioned the pass rush pass rushes was an issue every year under chris ball um so um, how 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 do you, how would you say his philosophy and just how would you say it differs and from what Chris Ball was doing from what you can tell? I'll take you to the first practice. We get there and I'm just trying to see what you know how these guys are looking, how the guys are coaching. The first thing you hear is eyes, 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 and you're looking around like who is this? And it's Adam Fuller just yelling at his guys, telling him to pay attention to the calls. And of course you're thinking, well, he's new; they're trying to get used to him. But he's saying that every practice I show up before they start, eyes, eyes, eyes. So basically, he is. In your face, he's the first coach who's going to, like, if the, if the defense makes a turnover, he's running over, jumping around. Chris Ball would do that, too, but Fuller definitely is, like, that high en- high energy, I'm going to run around, jump around, and everyone needs to go around and celebrate with me. And I think it's a, it's a good energy they need because sometimes you have to shake things up to kind of see what else can be created from it. And I think Fuller 
definitely has that. So I think that's a good sign for this defense that he's aggressive and he wants these guys to play fast. And I'm encouraged by it. If I was a fan, I would be encouraged by because kind of how he wants to do this defense a little bit. Yeah. I I always pump the brakes because every year it feels like since I've been here, it's been like, oh, the defense is going to be a lot better. <laughs> and they, I mean, they've, I guess statistically they were better last year, but let's see what they do come come the fall. But it is encouraging that there are a lot of guys back on this defense for the most part. I mean, you lost like Jackson Dillon and Emmanuel Cooper. Curtis Aikens. Curtis Aikens. But there were guys in the system, so to speak, ready to replace those guys, it felt like. And like I think you're starting, you're really seeing now, not just starting to see, really seeing now, the fruits of Mike Norvell's recruiting. You were now in year, you know, this is almost entire. I don't even know if there's a Justin Fuente player left. There's a um, there's a few, but now this is mostly. But his this guys. is mostly his guys recruited for what he wants to do, and and they're not only just his recruits; they're his recruits, and a lot of them are upperclassmen now. Um, and so the defense. I mean, you look at the secondary; it's as experienced as it's been. Yeah, you've got T.J. Carter. What it seems like, Chris Claybrooks is going to be the other corner. Chris Claybrooks had a great spring. I think he, if you have to ask me who's the most improved guy, Claybrooks definitely is right there. He's fast. He's rangy. Um, he's going to do some kick return too. But yeah, he's going to be right next to T.J. You got uh, Tyrez Lindsey's back. Laundre Thomas is healthy. So this secondary has guys that have been around and really can uh, show what they got a little bit. Interesting. Where does Sanchez Blake fit in all that? Sanchez Blake actually has had a really good spring too. Um, I know uh, he was really good last year. Yeah, I thought he. I actually, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting up a story now on the Commercial Appeal where we're talking about the most improved guys. I almost put Sanchez in there, but I put him in last year as an improved guy too. So I don't want to repeat it. But he's had a really good spring. Um, uh, Mike, Mike has brought him up a few times. Uh, he's added some depth at safety. Um, another safety I thought looked really good was a uh, Quindell Johnson, who's a retro freshman. He's played a lot with the second team, so there's some depth that's starting to bubble up a little bit. And I think um, once they get guys like Carlito Gonzalez back, then there's even he's more. Been hurt? He's been hurt. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he was hurt at the end of last season. So um, when he gets back, they have more depth there. And obviously, also D line didn't have O'Brien Goodson this spring yeah. as well. What about at linebacker? Was it looking like at linebacker? Uh, linebacker, we're looking at, let's see, Tim Hart, Austin Hall. Um, a lot of experience. A lot right of there. experience there. J.J. Russell's back. Josh Perry moved from safety to linebacker, which... Um, do you think he'll get in? Do you think... What, how did he look at linebacker? I think it's an adjustment. I mean, mm-hmm. when we talked to him about it. He said he's still kind of learning the position a little bit, but he's obviously, you know, experienced. They like him a lot because he's, he's athletic and he can dip into coverage when necessary. But uh, I think he just adds, you know, he adds a little bit more depth. He can, you know, obviously hit. So we'll see what he can. Uh, it's never been about the physical tools with him. It, it's about the mental side with him. Yeah, and I, you, you made a good point. So you said the closer you are to the ball, it's easier to. Yeah, I've, I've always been told, like, the closer you are to the line of scrimmage, the less thinking you got to do, essentially. <laughs> um, and so um, maybe this will help him think less and just be more natural. Because, like I said, like like physically in terms of, I mean, this is a guy who was, you know, was a Alabama recruit at one point. I mean, the the physical tools are there, um, and I, I, my guess is, moving him to linebacker is trying to figure. They they want him on the field somehow, and this might be a better chance for him than in the back end, where you know, you you really do have to be good at communicating and know, you know, every what everyone is doing almost as a safety. Um, That'll be interesting. All right, what was the mo- what's the what is the position group that fans that we should be most concerned with 
going into the fall? The offensive line. And I know the offensive line isn't sexy. We don't like talking about it because people are like, wow, what is the offensive line? What, what, why does that matter? Well, you pretty much have four new positions up there that are guys in there. Dustin Woodard moved from right guard to center. So now you have essentially four guys up there who are playing a different position. Obviously, Dylan Parham's back at left guard, but you have Obina Easy at left tackle who – He had a really shaky spring he, game. He had a tough spring game. I mean, that one series where he had two penalties and gave up a sack was just – He is I, – I was when I was walking around the field afterwards, though, he is just a giant. Like, he is huge. Like, he is he is NFL-sized. Um, like, he looks like an NFL left tackle. Now you just got to – I mean, we're in year three now. He, it's time for him to sort of – put it all together a little more. Yeah, and there's going to be more pressure on him, I think, than any other lineman because he was one of the biggest recruits here. He obviously has, like you said, the tools and the size. He's still kind of raw because he's still learning football from like when he arrived here maybe what four or five years ago. So he's still refining some things, but at the same time, I think there is pressure on him where he has to kind of, you know, fill the big shoes of Trayvon Tate. Trayvon Tate. Um, but also, again, you know, the whole right side of the line is new because you have um, – Manuel Aronia Lopez at right guard, and you have um, Scotty Dill at right tackle. Say that again, Manuel. Manuel Aronia Lopez. Okay, okay, you got to roll the R. You got to roll the R. You say it. Okay. Let me get my California back in me, man. Yeah. <laughs> say, give me the left tackle, and then that guy like five times fast. If like to all together, could you? Do, so Obina Easy, Manuel Aronia. See, Lopez. they can't even get the one. Aronia. Nice. Hey, man. You have to work on that. I, I have to. I mean, I'm. What? Where's he from? He's from Arizona. Okay. He's from Arizona. He's a junior college transfer. Um, and I love him. He posts some really cool stuff. He reminds me of home because he posts a lot of like stuff. What's about, like his background? Is he like, what, he, what, I believe he's Mexican. Mexican. He's Mexican. So he, okay. he, he posts a lot of stuff on Twitter. that remind me of home. Just kind of like the, the food, the culture. I'm like, man, making me miss uh, a little bit of LA, but, um, but yeah, so there's, there's new guys up there. So I think the, the key will be how will Ryan Storfield get these guys to jail? Cause obviously last year we all know the big reason the, the, Daryl Henderson had such a great year was because he had a lot of great holes in front of him. Patrick See that I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that would if I am a Memphis fan, the fact that the offensive line is a little bit, even a little bit shaky, would scare the living daylights out of me because you don't have Daryl Henderson anymore. I mean, yes, you've got Patrick Taylor and you've got it's now Kenneth Kenneth Gainwell, it's not we'll, Kenny Gainwell. We'll, we'll get to Kenneth in a second. <laughs> okay, but so you've got guys, but you don't have Daryl Henderson necessarily, or at least you and don't. you don't have a mobile quarterback either, right? Yeah, so like, and, no, it's going to be. I mean, the one practice I went to, the offense looked horrendous. And Mike even me. said it afterwards, like they looked horrendous, and it was because they couldn't block. Like that's why, like you mentioned, the D line was the most encouraging thing, and I just wonder. <laughs> how much of that was a product of the O-line was kind of shaky. Yeah, um, and I think that's part of it, too. Like, the O-line, I would be really worried about that. Like, I, we've, we, I think we talked about it during the, the Birmingham Bowl. Like, they're going to miss Drew Kaiser and Travion Tate. And they've Rod- had the luxury the last two years of really having a stable yeah. veteran offensive line. And they're going to have to, I mean, hopefully these guys will come together. I mean, it's still just the spring. It's, like, really hard to, like, you know, say one way or the other, but it's going to be the focus. It's going to be a big focus in training camp. You can tell, and even in the spring game. I mean, like it's you want to say like Brady White didn't really throw the ball downfield much in that spring game. He also didn't have a lot of time in the pocket in that spring game, um, from what I could tell. And so, and then you mentioned Eze with the with that series that was kind of it was like really hard to watch. You know, him fall starting twice and then getting beat clean on on the next play yeah um and so 
it's going to be fascinating. I mean, Ryan Silverfield has he's going to earn his money this year, <laughs> um, putting the, putting this unit together. But at the same time, I also you know what I think we've learned over the past couple years is y'all and I wrote about this a little bit. Like, I trust Mike Norvell to figure out a way to get around it if if indeed the offensive line is the weak link. Like, I do think while maybe if it's if it's a weak link, they might not go undefeated or something right, like that. Right. I don't think it's going to be it's going to be something that causes them to be a bad team um just because I I I think Mike you know you've got playmakers like Kenny Gainwell and Patrick Taylor and Demonte Coxey who you can you know you can get the you can you can get the ball to them quick you know um and and in a lot of ways that's who Brady White is you know we we know he's not like a guy who's going to throw the ball deep all the time he's more of a quick hitter type of quarterback and so Maybe that goes hand-in-hand hand this year um, with the O-line he has. So does that make the, the the talk about the offensive line and the fact that you don't necessarily have a Daryl Henderson? Fifth, by the way, who's the fifth star? You said Manuel. Adonio Lopez, Scotty Dill at right tackle, Obina. Okay, Scotty Dill. Scotty Dill, yeah. yeah. Parham and then. Parham and then Woodard at center. Woodard. Why'd they move Woodard to center? Well, Woodard was the backup center um, unofficially. I know they had Isaac Ellis, um, who was a freshman last year, but they played Woodard at center a few times, and Mike told us that he felt that he could just slide him over and he would fit in naturally. Um, he actually didn't play center in high school. We thought he did, but he played um, tackle, I believe. So, okay. Mr. Versatile. So the all the stuff about the offensive line and everything, and, 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 the, and the do we think that Joey Magnifico is going to have a – is his role going to be more valued or increased or whatever? I think because of his blocking, it probably will, just because you have another blocker up there who can you know, get the job done. And that's why Magnifico's gotten so much time, is that his blocking is really um, his, his strongest asset besides his great hand. So I'm hoping that he gets the ball more downfield a little bit, just because I think it opens the game more and gives Brady another security blanket. But I think his blocking helps out a little bit more with this line. I think you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. To help out with the blocking. You can send one out and have another block. Yeah. Um, that's what I think you'll I, – I, that would be my guess. Again, it's like – it's hard to say definitively because, like, like, it's – like, spring practice is just, like, such a small sample size in the grand scheme of things. Like, by the third week in August, maybe this O-line comes together and, maybe. like, really gels and, and looks better. Like, there's a lot of practices still before – um their season opener against Ole Miss. Um, but they're not going to be able to ease their way into things because you're playing Ole Miss right off the bat. Um, I mean, a lot like spring training in Major League Baseball, it counts for something. Spring yes. spring football counts for something, but in the grand scheme of things, it's it's very much like spring training in Major League Baseball. It just doesn't – you can't take that much away from it. Right. It's the foundation, not the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of people want to know, how did Brady White look this preseason? Is there any chance anyone on that depth chart can unseat him in August as the starter? No, and I'm going to make this really clear. Brady White will start against Ole Miss unless something happens in the fall. Unless he gets hurt. Yeah, unless he gets hurt, Brady White will start, and that's because partly he, he improved. He showed some improvement. He showed more poise. He's talked about how he's more confident and more comfortable in the offense. But I also don't think that those quarterbacks behind him have shown enough to where they can just take his seat from him. I think Brady McBride really improved. He has more command of the offense as well. Connor Adair was solid. 
Um, Marquinhos Quinn, really, this is his first time really playing behind center, facing a pass rush. He still has a lot of work to do. He has a lot to learn in his offense, and he even said like last year he's a JUCO guy too. JUCO, right? yeah. So he mm. this will be his believe, his sophomore year coming up. But I he, smell a position switch. <laughs> why? Why we got to put the quarterback a wide receiver? I mean, he if, if he's got two years of eligibility left, just like Brady White, and you said no one's going to unseat Brady White. I mean, if you want to take advantage of him, it feels like like he is an athlete. It feels like the only way he's going to get on the field is if he switches positions. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what that. that Take kind of almost shocks me about no one's going to unseat or you know Brady White's going to start no matter what unless injury related because I mean toward the end of last year people wanted him out. I mean, well, here's what I would say: I would say, I would say the vocal minority true. when they lost games would pile on Brady and like here's but, the thing: it, it, the, the 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 thing Brady has gone up against since the moment he got here is that. He is not quite as good as Riley Ferguson or Paxton Lynch. And, you know, he doesn't have the arm strength those guys did. And he's just a different type of quarterback. And um, his numbers were pretty good last year. And I personally think, yeah, you'd like to have a better option than him. You'd like to have someone who can throw the ball downfield a little better. But um, as Evan said, it's not like Brady McBride is just, you know, he's one of Mike's recruits too. Like I th- I would hope if he was better than Brady White, yeah. Mike would be would would elevate him. And that's the surprising that's what I was getting at is that I I thought I felt like toward the end of last season that that Connor Adair and Brady McBride were progressing and could have they were getting most to the popular point. guy on the roster is the backup yeah. quarterback. And honestly, if there was a chance for Mike to make a switch, he would have done it. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the other part though that's interesting to me about this whole thing is like Brady White is also like Mike loves Brady White. Like yeah, yeah. he loves him some Brady White. Sure. Like that's his guy right. also. And so it's just fascinating. It's gonna be another polarizing year. I guarantee you, like Brady's not gonna be quite what some of this again, vo- I think it's a vocal minority. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not going to li- quite measure up to what they expect of a Memphis quarterback, even though I bet you if you go back over the, in, over the history of Memphis football, he's probably one. Of, he's probably in the top twenty five percent of Memphis quarterbacks all time, you know. But he's not quite as good as arguably the two best or two is certainly the two most prolific, <laughs> which preceded him. Um, and so you're going to run into that. And then I mean, honestly, like. He's not going to have the luxury of a great O line this year. Yeah. yeah. And like, so we're going to find out a little more about him. It's going to be a little more challenging. And, you know, I think another thing they need to figure out is I mean, you've got Coxey. We know that. He looks like he's going to be really, you know, he had a really good year last year. And it looks like he's, you know, got the chance to be a real star, maybe even on a national level this year if he gets the, if, you know, if they can figure out some other options. My, my, my worry is. Who else is going to step up as a receiver so teams can't just double him all day long? Like you've got Pop Williams, who's shown flashes here and there as a receiver. He's had some struggle staying healthy. Um, you've got who Kadarian Jones, again, another guy who's shown little flashes. Um, a guy I was intrigued with just watching one practice in the spring game, just because of how freaking big he is, is Jeremy Tate. I mean that guy is huge. Jeremy Tate, yeah, he um he he looks like a guy 
you you figure out a role for him. He's like six seven, maybe right? Six six. Looking up right now, he is six six four. Six four. Well, whatever. He looks a lot bigger than everyone else on the field, and it feels like you need to figure out you figure out some some way to get him involved in the offense. Um, yeah, he, he was actually somebody who I thought kind of flashed a little bit more the spring, showing a little bit signs of improvement. Um, I also like again, this is another short guy, but Calvin Austin's a speed guy. You know, he yeah. he has the speed. They talked about how much he improves as a route runner. So if he can get on the field and show off the speed, that's another person who can extend the field. But again. That's a position I think is going to be key is who's going to step up besides Coxie as a guy who can be a number two, a solid number two or even a number three with Pop, but just who can be that other guy. Now in the backfield, I you know it seems like Patrick Taylor, if the O line cooperates, could be on the verge. I mean he had a thousand yards last year, but could really be on the verge of a a breakout season. And it seems like I mean every time Kenny Gainwell gets the ball, is it Kenneth? It's Kenneth. He wants we, to go we, by Kenneth. We can call him Kenny, he said, but Kenneth is how he wants to be officially right. called. Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell. Um, you know, it's, I mean, he, he in those four games he played last year, he had a bunch of big plays. And in the spring game, he had a big play. It seems like they're not, like, I, I hate to say this because it sounds bad, but, like, they're not really going to miss Tony Pollard because I think Gainwell is going to step into that role pretty good. Like, like I just, it just don't miss it. Yeah, I mean, don't miss him. But like, <laughs> but like, it's not going to be as that, that as it's not going to be that big of a loss. Right. The production, I, like, like to me, the loss of those three O linemen yeah. is much bigger yeah. than the loss of Tony Pollard. And I mean, honestly, even to a certain extent, Daryl Henderson, in that you have Patrick, you have a guy who you know you can trust. Like I, I just feel like. You know, it's not. To, I, I don't mean this to down, denigrate either of them. Like, they're like Daryl Henderson was like the best running back in the country last year, and Tony Pollard was really, really good here at Memphis. And they're both going to probably be on NFL rosters next year. Daryl being a higher high pick, and I think Tony will make an NFL roster no matter what happens with him. But I'm just saying, it seems like recruiting wise, Memphis has guys who are ready to step into their roles, whereas on the O line. We're a little more worried about it. That saves your butt a little bit because I was worried. I'm like, <laughs> you're saying we can get rid of, we can let Tony Pollard go. He's just, you know, the what most kick return touchdowns in NCAA history tied. No, no, no. I get what he's saying. I know. Yeah, he, I, got, he, I got. I'm got. I'm just like, point. I was like, yeah, Tony Pollard. We got Kenneth Gainwell. We're good. No, <laughs> but but Gainwell, yeah, I think Gainwell is. He was mentored by Pollard. They, they literally brought him in. His job was to shadow Tony Pollard, and he talked about how much he learned from him and how much he wanted to be just like him. So I think he's going to slide into that role really well. Um, another guy who might even have a chance to get in that role is a uh, Kylan Watkins, who's a sophomore who's from Memphis. He went to Whitehaven. He wanted to come to Memphis, but instead went to UT Martin because I guess um, there weren't enough scholarships available. He transferred. His coach was like, Hey, is he on scholarship here now? I believe he is on scholarship. So he, when he transferred his coach, told, his high school coach told him, you know, Hey, come back to Memphis. He talked to Norvell, talked to Coach Joan, and the running back coach. Next thing you know, he's here. He had a really good spring. I feel like Mike talked about him almost every other day. Like, he's really showing Is he, up. like, the number two running back, you think? I would say he's probably number three. Who's number two? Gainwell's probably number oh, two. Gain, okay, but, like, Gainwell's playing that Tony Pollard Swiss Army knife. Role, right. right. And I think Watkins kind of can play that role, too, but he can also be a number two guy running back as well. So, I think the two of them right now, maybe with Tim Taylor before he was uh, a bit banged up, those are your guys that are running back now, but I think Kylan Watkins is going to turn some heads to see kind of what he can do a little bit. I bet 
Magnifico and Gainwell are probably going to be the two biggest keys to the offense over the long haul of the entire season. I just I think they're they're both given what it sounds like the limitations are going to be for this offense. Uh, well, before we say, I mean, before we like, let's. Despite when a top ten, this has been a top ten offense the last two years. Like when we say limitations, like are we saying they're going to be a top twenty five offense instead? Because that's what I like. That's sort of like the the faith I have in Mike is like, yeah, they might not be a top ten offense, but I still think they're going to be a pretty good offense. There's a lot of weapons back. No, yeah, um, I, I'm just saying the offensive line, the question marks around the offensive line. I mean, they've had an offensive line, and that's where it all starts. Yeah, but like that's I think the offensive line just needs to gel. Like they have, like talent wise, they have talented players up there on the line. It's just a question of get, gaining some experience and gelling and and those sort of things and that i i think it's i think we're rushing to judgment a little bit just based off the spring like if we get to the third week in august That's all we've got <laughs> yeah i know but if we get to the third week in august yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get to that scrimmage in the third week in august and the defensive line is blowing them yeah. up still yeah. then you're like oh my gosh what is going on but yeah. like let's you know let's let's see what they what they let's see the magic silverfield and norvell have in them um this, like I said, Silverfield's going to earn his money this year. Um, and he he's been a great recruiter, <laughs> and now we're going to see, you know, how great of an O line coach he is. I think so. So it'll be interesting. Again, four and a half months. We'll see what happens when they play Ole Miss. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you. Um, four and a half months. Four and a half. It's like yeah, it's not that far. Not that far away. Um, not that far away from us driving to. Monroe, Louisiana, and Mobile, Alabama. Oh, let's let's not go there yet. <sighs> yeah, that's they're playing road games. And well, whether they want me to go to Monroe or not, I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> one way or another. That's where I was born. There, I didn't I didn't spend a whole lot of time there, but I was born right. there, and still so, got some family there. So. so we'll look to you for food options then. Johnny's Pizza, the best. Oh, you and Johnny's Pizza. Um, that's where but, it was uh, founded. But no, so I wanted to I wanted to mention that there's a couple articles that came out. Um. Want, well, not our, not an article like a vague, what was it? A Vegas betting site predicted <laughs> that Memphis would be favored in every game. And then SB nation came out with their preview. Bill Connolly came out their preview of Memphis football. And he basically, the headline was why this could be the best Memphis football season ever. Um, like they are very high just based on who's returning on Memphis football. Do you think those predictions can you, as someone who watched all of these spring practices, do those predictions jive with what you saw? I'm going to be consistent when I say this. Do not trust Vegas right now. Like if you were to take that bet, you will lose your money because I do not think at this point Memphis should be favored in every single game. I mean, Ole Miss, it's a pick 'em. I'd say it's right there. It's pick 'em. I talked to some people who think there's a chance. I'm not taking them above Cincinnati right now. I think Cincinnati is the best team in the AAC. Um, I think going to South Florida is a tough game. Obviously, they, they struggled at the end of last year, but they got to go on the road to South Florida. Let's see how that and goes. And Temple, too, right? Yeah, and at Temple. I mean, I, I think this is this is a, a tougher schedule road-wise, and especially on the back end for Memphis. So I kind of want to see... I want to see. And they got to go to Houston, too, this year. Yeah, and we know what happened last time they were in Houston, at least the first half. Um, second, it was a fantastic game. What are you talking about last time they went to Houston? It was oh, like the greatest comeback in Memphis football. Oh, it was a great, it was a great game. The second half was outstanding. The first half? <laughs> but, you know, I understand. But, yeah, so I wouldn't. I, I saw that article, and I, I read that article, and I was just like, 
it's it's positive. I but- still think they could win the West for sure. Oh yeah. No. Um and who knows? Maybe if it all comes together, you get yeah. Like, it was funny. I was before the spring game. I was standing on the sideline with Tom Bowen and like Tom Bowen. You know, he's a football guy. Like he used to coach football, high school football. Worked for the Forty ers Um, knows football pretty good. Um, and he's standing on the sideline. He goes, "This could be the year we all talk about." That was what he said to me. <laughs> this could be the epiphany. He was. He's really jacked up and like he thinks this team is going to be really, really good. Yeah, now um, I've been a, I've been a little nitpicky over the last ten or fifteen minutes, but that's not to, to say that I don't think they're going to have a great year record wise. I just think that you know there's going to be some glaring uh, weaknesses. I think, or based on what we know so far, and and uh, but that doesn't mean they're not going to win games and no. and potentially championships. No, and I think like Mark said, I do think with the schedule they have, I think winning the West is yeah. again, within play. My question is now is. Are they comfortable being a three-time AAC West champion, or do they want to win the AAC? Well, certainly the next step is to win the whole conference, and it seems like UCF is not going to be as good as right. it has been the past couple years, and there is a window there. to be. I, I think the next step for this program is to win the AAC and make it to that, you know, be the representative in the, in the New Year's Six Bowl. That's obviously the next step for the program, which is... And but like honestly, if they fall short of that, like it's not like necessarily like I I don't know. I think it's too early to set the expectations. Is why I brought up those articles. Like, yeah. you know, like I guess based on who they come back, who they return, someone on the outside would say like, you know, this could be this could be an awesome team, and it could be. But I do think the spots where they're missing some guys, like we've detailed on this podcast, are in some pretty key spots, and so. It's going to depend on how those key spots sort of develop over August, um, but it'll be fascinating. It's going to be another fun season, that's for sure. Um, I think. I think it's going to be a good team. Um, it's going to be a team worth watching, and uh, it's it, it's a, the fact that we you know you can reasonably say like, hey, maybe this is the team that goes to a New Year's Six Bowl, like like we've been able to say the last couple years, like that. That's awesome. Yeah. As a fan, like that's that's all you can really ask for that you have a shot, mm-hmm. um, and you get a marquee game against Ole Miss to start the year, and, and that's where's that here or there? That's here. It's here. Yeah, it's here. Cool. Um, it'll probably be a sellout, you know, because yeah. you'll get it'll be like the last time when Ole Miss came here. It'll be like sixty percent Memphis fans, sixty sixty five Memphis fans, thirty five forty Ole Miss fans. It'll be a great environment. Yeah. Um, and Memphis can really make a statement right then and there. I, mean, I know Ole Miss isn't going to be great, but still, beating an SEC team is beating an SEC team. That's so, right. Yeah. Um, I you know, and it'll be that's why this O line's got to get it together fast. <laughs> yeah. <in the> preseason. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll see. Well, thanks for joining us um, for our post spring recap. Um, we will be back regularly once the. Uh, once the Tigers start preseason practices in the was the end of July and in July August we don't know yet but end okay. of July August yeah. yeah right after the golf tournament essentially um, until then I was Mark I was joined by Evan and Jason thanks so much and uh, hopefully you can pass the time until then enjoy the summer a new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season you can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. 
I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.